Hello, and welcome to Serene Reflections, a podcast of Dharma Talks from the Wallawa Buddhist Temple. I am Rev. Clarissa Beattie, a Zen monk and Buddhist priest from the mountains of Northeast Oregon, where we practice contemplative meditation, the Chan of Bodhidharma, the Zen of Dogen, the Serene Reflection Meditation of Rev. Master G.U. Kennett. You are invited to let yourself grow naturally still, to let go of the world for a while. Join us in listening in sound, in listening in stillness, turning within to listen from the heart that seeks the way. To practice the great way of the Buddhas and ancestors is to become enlightened through and through. To go forth with no strings entangling our feet, with clouds appearing under our feet. Even though it has been described like this, when the flower opens, the whole world is awakened. As Tozan put it, I constantly make the way the important matter. Where do you live? What do you know in your bones to be true? How do you act from that? In what state of mind or being do you tend to dwell? Reflecting for a moment on this body in which I find myself, considering this active brain with which I think, this beating heart, These eyes with which I look out at the world, this voice of mine which forms its sounds, what are my particular habits? What are my habitual patterns of thought, the ways in which I see things? 
How do I say what needs to be said? How do I do all that I do? When I honestly look, when I clearly look, what are my habits that I become aware of? What are my customary thoughts, my ways of speaking, and my usual manner of acting? I've been reflecting lately on this area, on the subject of habits and how they so affect us. This very word, habit, means not only what we do repeatedly, but also where we live. A place we frequent, as in habitation, the place we inhabit. Meaning, we come to where we are again and again until we dwell there. As in habitat, the place where one can usually be found. Originally from the Latin habeo, I have, hold, keep. The word evolved to habitus, meaning one's state of being, whether one's physical constitution or the mental condition one maintains. By Middle English, one's habit had come to mean literally what one wears or enrobes oneself with, as in the habit of a contemplative monastic. And now habit means the ways we have of living. So, where do you live? Our accustomed ways of being, the ways to which we keep, repeated over time, are what make us as we are. Habits are what make us who we are. Thus, it can be useful to ask, are my habitual ways of being ways which lead to liberation? Are my ways the same as the great way? When I hear Dogen talk of becoming enlightened through and through, of no strings entangling our feet, of clouds appearing under our feet, I want to try that. I want to live there. I would like to see the whole world awakening. When I hear this description of Dogen's, I think, so what do I need to do? 
and my whole being orients in that direction. And what does Dogen say about what we need to do? He says, as Tozan put it, I constantly make the way the important matter. What is important to you? What matters? This is a reference to our purpose in life and the meaning to us of existence. By the time we reach our elder years, most of us have explored this fairly thoroughly or think we have. There are certain pivotal points in a life where this issue of where we focus our life force arises naturally. Coming of age, reaching adulthood, perhaps marriage, the birth of a child, the death of a parent, our own illnesses or the impending end of life. Sometimes as life unfolds, our sense of what matters frays apart. Say, when we lose someone close, or when the times in which we live become turbulent. At such times, whether we feel ready or not, circumstances open us. During such openings, we have an opportunity to allow ourselves to be opened. We may also struggle or say that was enough for now or even choose not to respond. But the opportunity for awakening is there. The chance to see past the temporary appearance of things. And this opportunity is there even when we are not being opened. This chance to make the way the important matter. Whenever we wish to open, awakening to what we know at heart to be true, which we may do quite naturally at any time, whether we're fully aware of it or not, The meaning of making the way the important matter is this. The point of making meditation and the precepts part of my life is that I become habituated to them. They become a regular part of my ordinary day, my patterns of being, woven into the fabric of my life. Not just that I think about them, but that my thought, speech, and actions become steeped in the way.
The way means the path to enlightenment, the following of the natural prompting of the inner heart to cease from doing harm, to do only good, to do good for all beings, including ourselves. It means the heart widening in small ways during ordinary stretches and the willingness to try to let ourselves open during exceptional times. The flower Dogen mentions, the flower whose opening awakens the whole world, is me. This flower is you. Any one of us can be this flower. It is the opening which awakens the world. The flower is already a flower. This is a reference to the spiritual potential within each being, the Buddha nature within all things. The Buddha had many disciples. One day they had gathered together on a flat hilltop where the Buddha would teach, known as Vulture Peak. It still exists today. You can go visit it in India. As Kazan tells it in the Denkoroku, At the time when, on Vulture Peak, before an assembly of 80,000, the world-honored one, that's the Buddha, offered up a flower with a twinkle in his eye. None grasped his frame of mind, and all remained silent, except for Makakasho, who, alone, broke out in a smile. The world-honored one said, I have the eye and treasury of the true law, the wondrous heart of nirvana, the perfectly pure and bright dharma gate that has no signs of restriction. I have transmitted it completely to Makakasho. What was it that the first ancestor Makakasho grasped? This flower has become famous, and the story itself handed down through the ages, pointing not just to one person's realization, but to what is possible for all beings, gesturing toward the very essence of the Buddha's teaching. This flower was not necessarily a flower in the Buddha's hand, though the image of a hand holding up a flower is used to indicate this teaching. The flower offered up here was the Buddha himself. It was his whole being through and through, which he and this disciple 
could sense reflected in each other. It is very significant that this story revolves around a twinkling eye and a smile or two, and a pure brightness with no signs of restriction. This practice which we do, this opening, this awakening with no strings, awakening with the world, this enlightenment through and through is for everyone. It is not exclusive. And it takes doing. It takes turning from our habitual patterns which we have found to be harmful and turning toward patterns which are helpful. New ways of doing things, perhaps, new ways of seeing, of being in the world, ways which lead toward freedom from suffering. Deeper than our everyday scattered mind, our busy self, our self-centered states of living, there is something which we know. When we set ourselves on the way, when we naturally follow the conduct that eases the way, when we cultivate the habits of living which lead to liberation, this is the place we inhabit. Coming to this place involves letting go right where we cling letting go of the familiar and opening to the unknown. When we face the unknown, why is it that we tend to assume that we will encounter something awful? Meeting what comes feeling our way along the path. Dwelling in not knowing is not being resigned to living in ignorance. And should we realize we cannot see clearly, if we are in the dark, how may we come to learn that trusting from within the dark is not so terrible? that unknowing holds great potential for opening. Within all phenomena, as they come and go, how may I find my center within? How may I come to know my still center and live from it? This is what it is to be a spiritual adult. It is as if I have finally realized that we are all sailing the endless sea together in a great ship and seen at last impermanence, like a giant wave 
welling up on the horizon, clearly coming to swallow our ship. And I wake up to ask myself, how will I be as the great wave comes? No one can avoid this great wave, the truth of Anicca. All things change. Impermanence is the sea itself over which we sail. I cannot be magically lifted off our vessel to some hypothetical safety. We, beings, may drift here a while in our boat for a little grace period, during which I may do as I wish. Knowing it will not last forever the same, what will I choose to do with this time? What states of mind, what habits will I cultivate during this my lifetime? With every gentle pitch and roll and yaw, until the ultimate rising of the tide from beneath our vessel as the massive trough opens and the wall of water begins to swell. So that in what state of being will I be when imminently the great flood crest rises? Will I be in any position to help myself and help others as the torrent engulfs us? because we are all in the same boat. How may I learn to embrace both the known and the unknown? How may I practice now for meeting the wave as it comes, opening to all that comes with it? How might it become possible that even that enormous wave of change may bring also, somehow, the offering up of a flower and the twinkling of a fathomless eye. Floating on this vast, deep ocean of ever-changing existence, Together with all beings, in every moment, how may I let go of my harmful habits of body, speech, and mind, which bind and restrict, hold me down and entangle? And simultaneously, just doing my practice, in each moment, any moment, in every thought and word and deed, how may I unfold to discover who I truly am and what the world truly is?
How may I help all beings? How may all beings help me? So that we all may open when ready, through and through, not separate from the ocean. The ancestor Sekito wrote a poem about his teacher in gratitude for encountering him, saying, Though from the beginning we have dwelt together, yet I know not his name. Together, riding the tide, we just go on. Also, as Kazon points out, do not seek the true law outside yourself. How can you possibly hope to see your Buddha nature at some other time than right now? Thank you for joining us in listening to Serene Reflections from the Heart That Seeks the Way. To learn more about this practice, including more about how to meditate, you are invited to visit our website at walawabuddhisttemple.org. Here, in the Kanzayan Shrine of our Meditation Hall, we offer the merit of our practice of serene reflection meditation to all beings including you, wherever you may be.